welcome to the Leading From Within podcast. My name is Rachel Bale. I'm a business and self-empowerment mentor, and this podcast is dedicated to showing you, the creative and driven online business owner, how to wave bye-bye to the relentless hustle mentality, find your fire, and unlock the confidence and self-trust necessary to build the aligned and magnetic online business you've always been meant for. It's time to stop following the cookie cutter strategies, let go of the shoulds, and to leverage your individuality to build a business and a life that makes your spirit soar. Hit subscribe now and let's jump in. Welcome back to episode two of the Leading From Within podcast and the second part of this three-part series where I am telling you all about my backstory. So we left off in episode one at the point where after a lot of trying things out, trusting my curiosity and giving myself space to actually find the direction I wanted to go in, I decided that I wanted to leverage my skill set and pursue teaching as a career. So, you know, even from quite a young age, I was never someone interested in committing to something long term unless it was a full body yes to me. So, I feel like I've actually been quite tuned into my body from a young age. I did tune out though for quite a few years, which I want to share with you across this episode and into the next. But, you know, at that time, I was convinced that teaching was my calling. So I threw myself into it. I got a job in a really, really wonderful school here in Melbourne. And I loved, love, love, loved the intellectual stimulation of teaching at a senior level. But I also really, really loved the nurturing and supportive role I had for the younger kids as well. And I took my work very seriously. I was like so committed to being the absolute best that I could be. I was the teacher who would stay back late to plan really engaging lessons and bring stacks of homework and marking back with me in the evenings. I don't actually think there was like ever a night where I wasn't doing something school related. I held myself to a really high standard, but on reflection now, I definitely think that there was an element of needing validation and wanting to prove myself in the profession, especially as a young teacher. I just remember feeling that there were never enough hours in the day to really give my students the best possible experience that they deserved. And I was always trying to find ways to do better. But you know, this kind of approach to work wasn't sustainable. Teaching itself, like if you have a teacher in your family or you have a friend who's a teacher, teaching is just such an energetically and emotionally demanding job in itself. Like even without, you know, the constant increases to workload these days and the pressure nowadays to get students results. You know, so many people from the outside world look into teachers and very wrongly think like, what a cruisy job, you know, 12 weeks of holiday a year, 
working the hours of nine to three, but anyone in the industry or should I say anyone decent at what they do knows that like, that's not the reality. Like I would come home at the end of the school term and just like collapse in a heap. I had nothing left in my tank, like zero energy to do anything. I didn't like want to do anything in the school holidays except watch movies on the couch for weeks. But on top of that, I had stacks of assessments to grade, homework and planning to get on top of. And, you know, looking back now, I really was existing in this like perpetual cycle of burnout. Like I would recover a little bit in the holidays and then would wear myself again we're out like week by week by week in the next term. And, you know, so it would repeat itself and I would just like need to hermit during those school holidays. It was crazy. So at the time, I just thought this was the life of a teacher, that this was just the intense reality of what it meant to educate and support young people in this day and age. But I remember something that happened in one of my first few years that was a bit of a wake-up call that something was wrong. So it was report writing time. So on top of my regular workload, the teachers all had to write, you know, really individual reports for each kid they taught. And for me, a high school teacher, I had like five classes plus a form class. So that was like six sets of 20-ish reports. So between 100 to 120 individual reports I had to write. And each one was like a paragraph long. And, you know, we had this deadline and I had to find time to get it done. But I just remember I buckled under the stress and the pressure of it all. I just remember feeling like I just couldn't cope with it. And when I feel overwhelmed, I cry. (laughs) Let me know if you can relate. And I was just crying all the time. And, you know, I have an undefined root in human design, which is one of the nine energy centers we all have which means I don't do well under pressure. So people with defined roots actually work really well under pressure and, you know, get motivated by it, but not me. I just get scattered and pressure to me is paralyzing. So, you know, I'm really grateful that I'm aware of this now, but I wasn't aware of that back then. And, you know, so I didn't have support systems in place to really help me through those busy times. And I think now, like, how I wish I knew human design back then, hey? (laughs) And, you know, I could feel it getting worse and worse and worse. I would just, like, you know, it would come to Sunday night and I would just be in this state of dread, like, the whole day. And often on Sunday nights back then, all those years ago, Ben, who is now my husband, but when we were dating, we would often go visit our parents on a Sunday night and have dinner. And I remember this one particular Sunday night, we were driving back from his parents from dinner and I was just carrying such a heavy sense of dread and like the thought of the week ahead felt so heavy and my anxiety was so sky high. I just felt this like panic sweep over me. I felt like my chest was being crushed by like a hundred bricks. I couldn't breathe. I was like, we were in the car on the freeway driving home and I was like gasping for air and like Ben was freaked out. (laughs) But I was having a panic attack and that was like the first panic attack 
I've ever had. I just like, I couldn't catch my breath. And, you know, that was the point where I was like, you know, this is not normal. Like, this is not okay. Something is wrong. So there were definitely warning signs I kind of saw along the way. Anyway, on top of that, Ben, like we were living together at this point and, you know, not long after that, he flew out actually to Europe, I think for a friend's wedding back then. And he was gone for like three weeks over the height of that, you know, report season. And I just remember crying so much during that time, like just feeling so overwhelmed by stress, so scattered and so like lonely as well, because, you know, I'm not used to living by myself either. I knew then that like I needed to ask for more support, that this was not okay. And so I did. I reached out to the school, like they were wonderfully supportive. They gave me some mental health days off, which were really helpful because I I felt like I could catch up a little bit. But you know, it was kind of getting to that point where I was beginning to question whether I could do this job for life. Like, was this sustainable or was it coming at too great of a cost? And you know, all those thoughts run through your head like, you know, well, Rach, you just need to put less pressure on yourself, lower your expectations, just don't care as much, but easier said than done, right? I think my nervous system was just in this constant state of dysregulation. And, you know, that takes a lot of time to rewire. It takes a lot of work to kind of reset like thought patterns and beliefs, like that's deep inner work. And, you know, I only know that now. But anyway, kind of like around six months after that, Ben actually (laughs) had to go back to Europe, to Germany this time, and he went back for a job interview for his work. So at that time, he was an automotive designer for General Motors, and he was flying over there for a job interview with Volkswagen Audi. And before he went, we talked and we'd had you know, a really open discussion about what we would do if he got the job. And we decided that we'd go, you know, if he got the job, we would go to Europe. And anyway, he did. He got that job. And so we made that incredibly pivotal decision for both of our lives to go to Europe initially for a year. And, you know, looking back on hindsight, that one decision changed the trajectory of both of our lives forever. (laughs) Like crazy. The job was in Berlin in Germany. I think of Berlin as the fork in the road. Like we literally went over there as one person or like one version of ourselves. And by the time we eventually came back, which was close to three years later, we were completely different people. Like everything in our lives had changed. Over there, there was just this magic of opportunity, of possibility. And we literally felt like the entire world had opened up to us. I had the most fun I have ever had in my entire life in Berlin. And you know, both of our experiences in Berlin were the catalyst for both of us starting our journeys into entrepreneurship and self-employment. So let's rewind a sec and let me take you through what exactly happened in Berlin. 
that actually led me to quit teaching altogether. So it took me a little while to get a job over there, around six months, but I did eventually get a job in an international school in Berlin teaching senior years and middle years. And initially I was so happy, you know, by that point, being over there for six months, I was feeling pretty homesick by then. I was feeling lonely. I hadn't made a lot of my own personal friends there yet. Like I hadn't found a job. And so I just didn't have really like the social connections that I had in Australia and I was really missing them. But when I got that job, I made a beautiful group of expat teacher friends from Canada, from the UK, Australia, other parts of Europe, which was wonderful, like so wonderful. But the job itself, you guys, it was not good for a number of reasons. And I won't go into too much detail about it all, but I just started to feel that the degree to which I cared and the standards I had for what I expected from a workplace in terms of things like leadership, management, support, transparency, etc., compared to the reality were not the same. So this particular school was quite a young school and the standards they held were, I'm going to say like quite low in terms of like accountability, student management, like resources, all the things. And, you know, here I was coming in with honestly pretty high standards from where I'd been before and as well holding myself to a really high standard. But I felt like I was just thrown into this environment that wasn't that at all. And, you know, at first I felt really frustrated, but over time I really kind of became quite disillusioned and started to kind of think, what's the point? Why do I care so much? You know, and I'd taken such a massive pay cut compared to what I'd been getting in Australia. I think I was on like half my Australian wage. But anyway, just like over time, I became increasingly unsatisfied, increasingly frustrated, and increasingly looking for an escape outside of work. Now, what I didn't mention earlier was that when I first moved to Europe, I created a blog focusing on expat life and travel, and it was called The Department of Wandering. Now, if you're listening and you're one of my OG followers from back in the day and you remember it, please be sure to send me a DM. Oh my gosh. And anyway, at first, I used that blog as a place to just document and share this whole moving abroad experience. I started to bring in travel focus because we were doing so much of that. You know, every weekend we were jetting off to a new city. It was like, it was incredible. And my readership began to really pick up. And before long, I was landing sponsorship collabs and being invited on international press trips for hotel reviews. I also started writing as a contributor for another really big travel blog at the time. I think it was actually the biggest travel blog worldwide. And I was being sent off as a writer to places like the Algarve in Portugal for like luxe weekends to 
five-star chalets in the French Alps and the Swiss Alps and like it was crazy. And I was also through my own blog starting to work on really big campaigns with companies like Sony, Fitbit, Swiss Air, big brands. And this was all something I had built. And it was my little business, my little side hustle. And I guess it really was the starting point of my entrepreneur journey. So I had this going on alongside my teaching job. And, you know, during the week, I'd work at the school and in the evenings and the weekends, I just like throw myself into this blog. I loved the creativity. I love being able to write in long form. I love the autonomy and the fact that this passion of mine was actually generating me money now was like, holy shit. (laughs) And in comparison, my work as a teacher in that school began to feel really constraining, very suffocating and of course, very depleting. And I was becoming more and more dissatisfied at being an employee because I had this other thing going on where I was the boss and it was liberating. (laughs) And inside my mind, that seed of entrepreneurship that was sown when I'd first monetized that blog began to grow and bloom as I tasted that potentiality of what could come from it. And it was addictive. Like from that point on, I just didn't look back. So by then we'd been in Berlin for maybe around two years by that point when the tipping point occurred, (laughs) where I made the decision to leave teaching for good. So for context, something happened that triggered this. The school was implementing salary raises, which I'll tell you was much needed The salary at that school was crazy low. You know, I was earning half of what I was in Melbourne. So they were implementing these salary raises, but like there was this technicality where it was only for staff who started at the school in a certain school year, which like didn't make sense. And I'd started kind of like right at the end of a particular school year because I was filling in for a maternity position initially. But It was determined that I wasn't eligible for this pay rise because essentially I hadn't been there for the entirety of that year or whatever. And I just remember feeling so angry about that. It felt like such a kick in the guts. I just felt so undervalued. And, you know, I asserted myself. I met with the leadership team. I questioned it. And I was just met with this air of, it's too bad. And like, we don't really care how you feel. And I was furious. (laughs) I mean, I was already very disillusioned with teaching as a whole by then. The cost on my well-being back in Melbourne and in Berlin, feeling just like really critical of the leadership and being in an environment that was really lacking in innovation, transparency, integrity, all the qualities that I value super highly. And I remember walking with one of my teacher friends, shout out to you, Kat, if you are by chance listening, and I was expressing my frustration and anger to her. And she looked at me and she said something that triggered, honestly, the most profound epiphany in me. She said, you know, Rach, you don't have to work here, you know, 
there's no one forcing you to stay. And she said that. And in that moment, it was like she had given me a key that unlocked my agency. It was like I'd been living in this monochrome version of reality where you stuck with a job you'd trained for, even if it wasn't like what you thought it would be. And without even being aware of it on reflection, I was like, I think I was controlled by this unconscious belief that to change careers and to give up what at that point I'd invested close to like 10 years of my life working towards, like including my studies, like to give that up was too much of a waste, you know, which really so many people are operating from this belief. I've spent X amount of years doing this thing. So it doesn't make sense to change, even if they're deeply unsatisfied. So at that moment, it was like I saw the light for the first time. And my friend's prompt was like my coming home to Jesus moment. (laughs) Oh, I get to choose agency over my life. I am not the victim. I have the freedom and the power to take action and to choose better. So I did. That same week, I sent in my resignation and I left that teaching job and ultimately the whole industry for good. And funnily enough, Ben had by then also quit his job for pretty much the same reason. We both knew we were meant for more. And you know, It wasn't without fear that we made these huge moves. We both needed a lot of courage to be able to do that, but we supported each other through it. And Ben was freelancing by that point. And so his income was fairly inconsistent. And so my teaching wage was supporting both of us. And so there was definitely a fear of losing that salary. And also there were huge implications for my visa and our future in Europe. But for me, by that point, it was more terrifying for me to stay where I was because I could feel my spark, my electric essence dimming. And, you know, you got to be pretty conscious to recognize that. But when I did, it was a wake up call. You know, I've only got one life. We've all, we've all only got one life. And, you know, I was already a third of the way through it. And so that moment in time when I had this realization and more importantly, made the decision to do something about it, changed the course of my life forever. I was now unemployed, (laughs) but I had my little side hustle, my blog that I turned into a little business and I was obsessed with it. I was so proud. I was so lit up by what I'd created And I was so curious and excited to see where it would take me because I had the feeling that life was about to get really fun and really interesting now that I was free. And I'm going to leave it there for this episode. So tune in to episode three, the last part of this series about my story, where I'll tell you about the doors that opened up from there how I grew my online business, ultimately getting kicked out of Berlin, returning to Australia. And I'll take you through the very windy journey I've had that led me to where I am now in the online coaching space. Thank you so much for listening. If you love this episode, be sure to hit subscribe. There are new episodes every week.